It is a Wednesday edition of the We Tackle Life podcast, April 21st edition. That's an easy date for me to remember because today is my wedding anniversary. So I'm not one of those guys who forgets his wedding anniversary. And this is a big one. 20 years ago today, I married my awesome bride. And it was a beautiful, sunny Saturday in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh, she was someone who captivated me with her smile when I first saw her. And... Um, her inner beauty now, in addition to her outward beauty, um, amazes me every day. So I'm very thankful to God for the blessing uh, of her in my life and for the enormous blessing of three beautiful children. So uh, my heart's full of joy today when I think about all the things that God has blessed me with in my life. But my heart's also heavy today, and I think anyone in Columbus, Ohio's heart is heavy today, as we are, I believe, in fear uh, entering a very... Um, challenging period. In the aftermath of a shooting death last night of a 16-year-old girl, she was maybe 15. I've seen her age reported differently. It doesn't matter. It's a tragedy when anyone young loses their life. She died after uh, police arrived uh, near her home and observed her threatening people with a knife, rushing someone with a knife. She was shot before she could stab someone. And so this is another uh, police-involved shooting of an African-American person. Um, and so we live in a culture now where we have um, groups of people, agencies, individuals who are using these kinds of incidents whenever they occur to sow and grow seeds of discord. I could talk about sports at the beginning of this podcast today. It's not, I don't think, appropriate in light of the severity and seriousness of the issues that are in front of us. So I prayed this morning. I was in my Bible in Proverbs 21 in John 8. And so I'd like to try to bring some truth, some perspective, some clarity, some hope to this rancorous time we are in. And I'm sorting it out for myself as much as I am trying to offer help to those of you who are also struggling with many of the same issues. So um, that's where I'm headed today. Thank you for your time and inclination. I probably won't do the involved sponsor reads, which I know some of you will be thrilled about. But you know who our sponsors are, and I trust that you will uh, believe me when I tell you that they are great people and that. Um, you would do well to involve them in your life. Health insurance realm, auiinfo.com. If you need an attorney, Willis Spangler Starling, willisattorneys.com. Get your discount on Hemisphere Coffee, 15% off with the promo code WE TACKLE LIFE in all caps when you go to hemisphericoffeeroasters.com. And of course, uh, for pain relief to allow you to function, maybe your muscles are sore, you're starting back a workout routine, you have an injury that's cropped up in the midst of your workout routine, you're working outside, your back is sore, whatever, shoveling snow today, um, cbdhealthcollection.com. They're located in Granville. You can get 15% off there when you use my name, Bruce, as your promo code in-store, on the phone, or on the web. Okay. So, uh, Makia Bryant is the young lady who died last night. Um, and... Shortly before we became aware of that situation, Ohio State basketball player Seth Towns 
tweeted some things that I have not seen reported, but I am um, sad about reading because I do not know Seth, but his tweets, which I will uh, read to you, are I'm reading them to you not because I'm trying to involve sports in this podcast. I'm reading them to you because Seth's viewpoint represents a very strong viewpoint and very flourishing belief in our country that I think will forever divide us and perhaps destroy us if we don't address it, if we don't speak to it, and if we're not willing to engage on it. Okay, so here is what Seth tweeted uh, in the aftermath of the Chauvin verdict. Uh, Derek Chauvin guilty on all counts by a jury of his peers. He said, police, Seth's tweet, police still kill black people. Police are still supposed to kill black people. Do not let this decision, the Chauvin guilty verdict, modify your understanding of this fundamental truth. Uh, He had another uh, tweet about the Chauvin verdict. Seth tweets, the criminal justice, which he puts in quotes to sort of be a, you know, as if he's mocking it, the criminal justice institution, which works alongside the police in serving the interest of capital, big business, is right now carrying repressive potential through manipulative symbolism, meaning, and he put in parentheses, convicting the murderer. Conviction or failure thereof do not represent the status of progress. So Seth is saying in that tweet, that Derek Chauvin being immersed in the justice system that's been established in America for um, you know our entire entirety as a nation, a jury of your peers must be a unanimous verdict, guilty beyond a reasonable doubt, uh, fairly represented in court by an attorney. That's our justice system. In this case, it resulted in the conviction across the board of Derek Chauvin for the murder, second degree, third degree, and second degree manslaughter in the death of George Floyd. Seth says that does not represent uh, the status of progress for uh, black Americans. And then shortly after that, he tweeted about uh, the police shooting that resulted in the death of Makia Bryant. And he said that um, something about, apparently Columbus police just murdered a 15-year-old girl in broad daylight while the George Floyd verdict was being read. Oh, my God. Okay. So those are Seth's tweets. And I read them because, obviously, Seth is an Ohio State basketball player. He's a public figure. He's well-known. He was arrested in the riots in Columbus last summer in the aftermath of the George Floyd shooting. I bring him up not to uh, out Seth or cause any problems for the Ohio State basketball program. I think my love for the Ohio State basketball program and devotion to the program is not a good reflection on my what it should be uh, detachment as a journalist who's covered the team in the past. But uh, basketball players are easier to get to know than football players, and I was well protected by the school. Uh, I enjoy the game of basketball more. I find Ohio State basketball fans to be more rational than Ohio State football fans. Basketball fans understand you can't win every game. Football fans don't understand that. Basketball coaches, as a rule, are more are different people, and I engage their personalities mesh with my own better. I've been much closer to Ohio State basketball coaches over the years. I've had real conversations with them. I've only had a real conversation with, I think, one previous Ohio State football coach. That'd be John Cooper. 
Um, so anyway, that's just my personal, it's a personal failing of me as a journalist that I have a hard time divorcing my personal affection and fandom for the basketball team from my, um, from my reporting, which is not, does not speak well of me as a journalist because you're not supposed to be a fan. But I think, I, I think you can see that I am a fan. I'm not trying to make Seth look bad. I'm using his tweets as an example of a prevalent thought in our society that cops are out to hunt down and kill black people. LeBron James literally tweeted that. He said, we are literally hunted every day. And that is a destructive mindset because it's not true. It's not true. Uh, Do black people get shot by police? They do. Do white people get shot by police? They do. Um, We focus, obsess, and extrapolate the shooting of black people by police in our country now in this era. Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, leaders, thought leaders, influencers, LeBron James, Chelsea Handler, um, many others, use this as a, I guess, a useful narrative to grow their brand, to, to you can say, uh, publicize what they believe. How do we heal from it? How do we recover from it? Because we need to, or we're going to destroy each other. I always look at things at this juncture of my life, and I certainly hope for the rest of my life, through the prism of faith. And I share a faith portion of the podcast every day to try to strengthen men primarily, because I think those are our primary listeners, become better husbands and fathers, serve their wives and sons and daughters and friends more faithfully to speak truth. I think we can beat this divide in our country if we speak truth. We have to do it in love. 1 Corinthians 16, verses 13 and 14 are verses that Chris and I mentioned a lot on the podcast when we started the podcast. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be men of courage. Be strong. Do everything in love. There's a lot in that that applies to this situation. We have to be on our guard against error, erroneous thoughts. We have to stand firm in the faith, realize that our faith, serving Christ, acting in a Christ-like way, is the way to bear up against these challenges. Be men of courage, same thought. Be strong. You have to be strong to resist. I'm called a racist a lot. I'm called divisive a lot. You have to be strong. Someone asked me this morning, a fellow talk show host asked me this morning, how did you get to the point where you don't care what people say about you? (laughs) Well, um, I can't say that I'm all the way there yet, but for me, what I shared with that person was that once I realized who I was in Jesus Christ, that his forgiveness um, absolved me of all the sin in my life, past, present, and future. Once I realized what I believed and why I believed it, that his sufficiency at the cross is totally sufficient for my forgiveness. So his opinion is the only opinion that matters above all of man, above all of men's opinions. Why would I give the power to someone to hurt me, why would I give agency to their thoughts about me if they're not in line with what God is telling me in my private prayer time, study time, journaling time, and, and quiet time? Why would I give anyone else agency? Why would I give anyone else the right to hurt me? Why would I give their opinion influence if they're not rooted in Christ? Now, I have some accountability partners, men who believe like I do, whose opinions mean a great deal to me, and they listen to this podcast, they know who they are, and if they said something to me, I would put great stock in it and great weight in it. But for people I've never met, for people who uh, I don't 
know if they look at life through the same prism. For people who I likely wouldn't share the same prism on life uh, with, and for people who likely wouldn't like me and I wouldn't like them if I did meet them, why would I give their opinion any weight at all in who I am and what I'm about? And I believe that would be a productive way for all of us to live only if we all put our faith in Christ because his love is undisputed. He died for us. And that, and yes, that is my solution to all of this. But how do we play that out? How do we act that out? Um, tough. It's tough because we are people born with a sin nature. We are born with a selfish nature. We are tempted every day and lured into rebelling against God and the things of God by uh, evil personified in the person of Satan. Yes, Satan is real. Yes, his demons are real. And um, look, I, I, that's the prism of life through which I come. So I, you know, you might think I'm uh, crazy, but I'm not. I'm not crazy. That's that's real. The Bible says, you know, we are not engaged in a battle of flesh and blood, but against the dark forces of evil, uh, unseen forces of evil in the world. That is Satan. Okay. So today in Proverbs 21, which I read the chapter of Proverbs that corresponds to the date of the month, there were two verses that jumped out at me. Proverbs 21. Verse 2, all a man's ways seem right to him, but the Lord weighs the heart. In other words, yeah, we can have our opinions and we can think certain things, but the Lord weighs the heart. God looks at the heart. God weighs the heart. He evaluates the heart. What's in your heart? That's what matters to God. You can think you have the right answers. You can think you have the right solutions. You can think that this, that, or the other happened, but God weighs the heart, looks at the heart. And then finally, uh, near the end of Proverbs chapter 21, verse 30, there is no wisdom, no insight, no plan that can succeed against the Lord. God is in control. He will do what he will do. Whether men like it or not, he will do what he will do. It may be God's will for us to self-destruct as a nation. It may be. I hope it isn't, but it may be. So what is my compulsion in this divisive culture on a talk show where people listen and look to me for opinions and analysis and all that. Um, I would never contend I do it perfectly. I strive to do it perfectly. There's a big, 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 big difference. Okay. So there is a verse that a lot of people cite from John chapter 8. And the verse that they cite is John 8, 32. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Actually, they cite only the back half of that. The truth will set you free. If you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Well, we also have a euphemism in our culture right now where truth is flexible, malleable, moldable, shapeable. My truth, your truth. When you hear my truth and your truth, what you're hearing is opinion. It is to them truth, but it's not necessarily the truth. Truth does not require an adjective. Truth is not flexible. It's not changeable. God says I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. The part of that verse that people never cite is the verse in front of it or the portion of the verse in front of John 8, 32b, which is the truth will set you free. Everybody's like, truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. Well, if you think what you think is truth is not truth, it's not going to set you free. It's going to enslave you. It's going to misguide you. It's going to misdirect you. And it's going to separate you from God. 
here is what the verse really says. Here is what Jesus really said to the Jews who had believed in him. So these are Jews who had been raised on one way of doing things, the law, obey the law, self-righteousness, obtain your own righteousness, obtain your own worthiness in God's eyes. And Jesus came and said, no, it's not about what you do. It's about me being the son of man, providing atonement for your sin. And so these he's talking to believers. So you can't say the truth will set you free if you're not a believer in Christ because he's talking to people who believed him, who believed in him. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if, if you hold to my teaching and you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So it's like a condition that backs up, right? The truth will set you free. How will the truth set you free? If you know the truth, the truth will set you free. How do I know the truth? You're really my disciples. How do I know? How do how can I know I'm really your disciple? If you hold to my teaching. If you hold to my teaching. Okay. So this is to me where we lose our way in our society because we have established all these narratives that are our truth. Police are hunting black people and all this kind of stuff, which is absolutely not true. The statistics don't bear it out. So let's take the case of Micaiah Bryant. Very tragic. We're going to focus on the policeman who shot her. As she, as he arrived, she rushed another apparently black female. And that black female fell to the ground and avoided the knife that Makia Bryant was brandishing. The police officer appeared to, on verbal command, I couldn't quite make out his words, but it was a warning. So she's coming out with a knife in her hand, rushing another person. The police arrive, okay? If the police drive up to my house, that makes an impression on me. It didn't seem to change Makia Bryant's intentions at all. The police are engaging her, talking to her. They have their guns drawn. That would make an impression on me. She turns instead and rushes another woman in a pink jumpsuit and tries to shoot and tries, it appears, tries to stab her. She is then shot and she died from her gunshot wounds. Makia Bryant was in foster care, okay? I know people who have kids and have uh, shepherded kids through foster care. I can't imagine the investment, the love that it takes to shepherd kids in foster care. Their hearts have been broken by children that have been returned to their parents and they're not going to be returned to an environment that is as loving as the environment they were providing, yet they trust God to do that. So Makia Bryant, how do you get in foster care? Um, I have a 15-year-old daughter. I can tell you that she loses her temper at times. She gets frustrated at times. She has a lot of friend drama, as all 15-year-old girls, I think, do. She doesn't pick up a knife to solve her problems. She doesn't rush her sister. She doesn't rush me. She doesn't rush her mom. So something has gone wrong in Makia Bryant's life that she feels like, the solution to her issue in this particular situation was to pick up a knife and threaten other people. I can tell you that if police drove up to our house and my daughter was acting out, 
I know that would make an impression on her. It made no impression on Makia Bryant. I'm not trying to blame Makia Bryant. I'm illustrating that things in Makia Bryant's life went horribly wrong before the final day of her life. Something happened with her parental situation that caused her not to be in the care of her parents. The other thing that struck me as I watched the video is that all the people around this situation as it unfolded and as the police arrived seemed to be going about their business as if this were a matter of routine, that a woman, a young woman, would rush another young woman with a knife in her hand. No one was rushing in to stop her. No one was reacting in any way, shape, or form. It looked like they were just all on the street having a nice, amicable conversation. That struck me as very strange. Um, what kind of oversight was in Makia Bryant's? Who was, who was deeply invested in her? It's sad that she arrived at a situation where she attempted to resolve a conflict in her life in a violent way that led to her death. It's extremely sad. And it's being used and will be used in the coming days to reinforce a narrative that police are bad, police are hunting down black youth, black people. This is selective lying. In Chicago, Illinois, over the weekend, a seven-year-old girl was waiting in the drive-through line at a McDonald's with her father. Her name is Jaslyn Adams. I fear we won't hear anything about Jaslyn Adams' death beyond the initial reporting, but her name is not going to be known as well as George Floyd's, as well as a host of others who are being used whose bodies are being stood on by activists to perpetrate a narrative that divides our country. I can't be scared of what I'm going to say and how it will impact my life or who knows, maybe end my life. I went to a website, I went to the BLM Chicago website and I looked for its reaction to the death of Jaslyn Adams, a seven-year-old black girl. There was no notation of her death. There's already a notation on that same website of Makia Bryant's death. Why would the death of a seven-year-old girl in Chicago not capture the attention and sympathy and outrage of the BLM Chicago site? And why would the death of Makia Bryant a 16-year-old girl in Columbus, Ohio, wielding a knife, threatening other black youth. Why would that capture the attention and outrage of BLM Chicago? I don't think I have to answer that question for you. I think you know the answer to that question. If you hold to my teaching, you will know that if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Later in John 8, Jesus says to the Pharisees, you belong to your father the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, 
for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, this is Jesus speaking, you do not believe me. He who belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Those are the words of Jesus in John 8. You're going to have to take account for yourself of the personal risk that you run and the consequences you may suffer from speaking truth in explosive conversations about race relations, social issues, and other things that are being used right now to divide our society, to stir up anger, and to do the work of evil. It is a personal decision between you and Jesus if you are someone who professes to place your eternal destiny in the hands of the Savior who died for you on the cross and rose to new life, compelling you to rise to new life as well. These are hard, hard decisions. They are deserving of our time, our prayer, our investment in Scripture, and our attempt to hold to my teaching, our attempt to really be disciples, and our attempt to know the truth so that the truth will set us free. I pray for our city and our country, and I pray for each of us that we will be on our guard, stand firm in the faith, be people of courage, be strong, and do everything in love. Keep in mind, Jesus also said, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. But we are called to pick up our cross and follow him. And so, I wish you success in... Realizing the truth of Christ, the sufficiency of Christ, the necessity of Christ, and the joy of serving Him. No matter what it costs, because Jesus said many times that uh, the cost of following him, the reward of following him, rather, 
is worth whatever the cost is. Thank you for listening. And um, I hope I've been helpful and strengthening to you today. Please review the podcast on iTunes and feel free to send me an email. We tackle life at gmail.com. We tackle life at gmail.com. Thank you.